This is the Moira Pentecostal Church podcast, providing you with sound biblical teaching. We hope you will be encouraged, challenged, and blessed by this ministry. Second Timothy chapter 3, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy. And the third chapter we'll be reading from. Verse 1 of chapter 3 of 2 Timothy. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Amen. Over these past couple of Sundays, we have been dealing with end-time events, and we talked about deception and delusion, uh, and we want to continue in that overall theme uh, today. There are many who believe that the Bible is irrelevant, that it's a relic of a bygone, unenlightened age, that society has moved on, and customs and habits have evolved to be much more liberal, less dogmatic, and we are freer to express our natural inclinations without the puritanical restraints of yesteryear. And so the government, media, the arts, all agree that the more knowledgeable, Uh, the more scientific, the more cultured that we become, uh, then we will become much more refined and sophisticated and less animalistic, and the more uh, of our human behavior will evolve to a higher level. But is that so? What evidence is there of this utopian society? Has the world become a kinder safer, happier, more loving place? I don't think so. Has respect for human life, has it grown or has it diminished? Is a baby safer in its mother womb than it was in Bible days? Has there not been more people slaughtered in this past 100 years through wars than there has been in the history of the whole world? We live in a far advanced scientific, technological uh, time than anywhere else in history of any people that has ever lived. And yet, greed has not ceased. Hatred has not been conquered. Murder and mayhem has not been eliminated. Dishonesty and treachery still abounds. Not only do these things remain, but they are increasing alarmingly. And two millennia ago, the Apostle Paul forecast that in the last days, 
there would be an unprecedented rise in all of these things that we have just talked about a moment ago. And his description of these events are widely described. Now, there's no question that all of these things has happened in the past because of our sinful human nature. But Paul here is <coughs> prophesying, forecasting, if you will, that in the last days, these things will be much more pronounced than they've ever been, much more blatantly obvious than they ever have. And so we want to examine this description that the Apostle Paul gives and see if, if this is the last generations that we're living in of the last days. Now, I have to tell you up front that there's no possible way that I could finish this this morning. I will have to return to it tonight. But because each of these in and of themselves are negative, and they are, I want to end up on a positive note tonight because I don't think the Apostle Paul wants us as believers not to be able to sleep in our beds at night when we read these things. I don't think he wants us to be worried sick about what's happening and what's happening and what's coming to happen upon the world. I think he wants us to be knowledgeable, to understand the times that we live in, to see that it's happening, and to be able to live in spite of that victoriously as born-again believers in Christ. Verse 1, he says, But know this, be absolutely sure that you know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. And so we must be fully aware about the days that we're living in. Perilous times. Perilous here means hard to deal with, hard to bear, painful, harsh, fierce, and savage times. Uh, the only other time that word is used in the New Testament is in Matthew chapter 8. And Jesus, it says here uh, in verse 28 of Matthew 8, And when he had come to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. Same word. Exceedingly fierce, so that no one could pass that way. And so here was these men who were exceedingly fierce. They were absolutely controlled by demonic spirits to the point where people did not want to go past. They did in peril of their very lives that they did. And Paul says that same fierceness is coming upon the earth today. And Jesus said there would come a time when men's heart would fail them for fear of the things that are coming upon the earth in the last days. So what will be the telltale signs? What will society be like? Well, it matches Paul's description here. I think that it will and it does. Verse 2, he says, For men will be lovers of themselves. Selfishness, the love of self permeates society. It's particularly in the world of celebrity. Did you ever see such a vacuous, egotistical, self-promoting people as these so-called celebrities? Now, for the life of me, you say, well, David, it's maybe your age. I don't think so. For the life of me, I cannot understand believers following celebrities. 
and becoming fans of celebrities. These people have no time for the things of God or for godliness. They live like the devil themselves. Why in the world does a believer want to follow that? Can't understand that at all. But it's not just the world of entertainment. Selfishness is looking out for number one. It's putting me first. It's all about me, 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 me. And we see it in business. We see it in politics. We see it in marriages. Where someone becomes the center of their own universe. And it doesn't matter about their employees. And it doesn't matter about those who voted them into office. And it doesn't matter about their wife or their children or their family. They don't care. It's self, self, self. And it doesn't matter who they tramp over or who they climb upon or who they walk over. They don't care as long as they get what they want for themselves. And Paul says this would be one of the signs of the last days, that the world would become a much more selfish place. And it is. And it has. Verse 2, lovers of money. Paul warned Timothy, who was a pastor, he says, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. In fact, he warned Timothy to flee from it. It can become dangerous if we don't know how to handle it. Uh, James says the workman is worthy of his hire. So anyone who does a good job, who's conscientious, who works hard, deserves reward for that. Nobody's against that. That should be. People who work hard, who's conscientious, who does a good job, no matter what that may be, they should be rewarded for that. Accordingly, that should be good. But we're not talking about that. We're talking about this obscene greed of people. Uh, we see the fat cats in business and industry. And, and enough is never enough for them. It wouldn't matter if they, you're giving them a million tomorrow. It would never be enough. If they had a billion, it would never be enough. It's just pure greed. The love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Do you know that because of the love of money, because we all want more stuff in life, that our national debt in Great Britain has now risen to two trillion pounds. <laughs> you can't even get your head around it. Two trillion pounds Britain is in debt. By the way, America is 22 trillion in debt. And it's generated by the love of money, by everyone wanting more and more and more and more, never ever content with what we have got. The national debt in Britain is rising by 5,000 pounds a second. Every second, we go 5,000 pounds deeper into debt. It's a big, big hole we're in. In fact, that's 446 million pounds every year we're falling into this great financial hole. To put that in another perspective, if you put that all, all out over the whole country, every man, woman, and child in Great Britain would owe 34,000 pounds. And if you're a taxpayer at 60,000, you would know. That's how bad things are. And there's no sign of it easing. There's no sign of it stopping. And we see over and over and over again, we see an industry and we see the, the fat cats who raid pension pots all over the country in order to buy their super yachts and have two or three of them. 
And Paul said we would see this in the last days. Such would be the love of money that people would sell their very soul. They would sell their granny so they would if they get away with it. Then he says they would be boasters. Boasters. Speaking great swelling words. Braggarts. Lack of humility. Arrogant. Aggrandizing. Uh, people who just want to boast. Boast of their stuff. Boast of their status. Boast of their possessions. Boast of who they are. Boast, boast, boast. We live in a world that is just craving for boasting. Craving the limelight notoriety. And it's just... It's just terrible to see it. Uh, and with the advent of, of media, uh, we see much more of it. Uh, don't get caught up, by the way, in, in, in the whole like thing. You know, uh, you know, putting our photographs up, we need to be liked. I want people to like it and like me. Get caught up in that stuff then. You've got a totally wrong image of who you really are. We need to see who we are in Christ. That's what we really need to see. That's who we really need to know who we are. But this business of boasting, boasting of their accomplishments, of their influence, of their status, of their trophies, of their toys, is endless. Then he says, be proud, full of self-importance, puffed up, massive inflated egos, swaggering, strutting around, proud of everything, proud of their ill-gotten gains. Pride is the thing that caused Satan to fall. God hates pride. He hates it. And today we see pride in every facet of our society. We see it tremendously in politics. We see it displayed every day in politics. Uh, again, mentioning, I mentioned briefly last week, David Cameron, the former prime minister, uh, 600,000 people and so many of you uh, were in that 600,000 who wrote to David Cameron and says we do not want same-sex marriage in Great Britain and he completely ignored it and said that we were in the wrong side of history and I'm going to do this in other words whether you want it or not I'm going to do it I'm in power and I'm going to do it and he did it and then he says, I want to export it to Africa. Africa says, we don't want it. Keep it. We don't want it. But that was the arrogance. That was the hubris of the man who was in a position of power. And it didn't matter what people wanted. I'm power. I'm going to do this. Our soon-to-be leaving Prime Minister, Theresa May, she said to, uh, just last week, she's been interviewed about her accomplishments and the mistakes she felt she made. And she says, the one mistake I made was I didn't listen to those around me. <laughs> and that was the biggest argument with her minister. She would not listen, would not take any advice. I know what to do. I'm going to do it. It doesn't matter what the country wants or what my MPs want. I'm going to do this. Well, these are the proud people. And pride is a terrible thing. Scottish government, just some time back, they had their own consultation on same-sex marriage. They consulted 80,000 people, and two-thirds of the 80,000 says we don't want it. So what did the government do? Accept that and bow to that? No, they said, we want it. 
So we're going to have it, whether you want it or not. See, that's pride. And Paul says this would be one of the signs in the last days, that whether it's governments, whether it's business, whether it's individuals, pride rises up. Blasphemers. The word is blasphemos. And blasphemos means evil speaking, slanderous, reproaching, railing, abusive. The only other place where this word is used is in 2 Peter 2 and 11. Where Peter talks about those who, who, who rail against authorities. And, and he says, even Micah the archangel, <laughs> disputing with the body of Moses, uh, wouldn't call him names, says, the Lord rebuke you. Blasphemers. Speaking evil, not just of men, but evil of God himself. Blasphemy against God and Christ is abominable. And the sad and tragic part is it's just everywhere. Everywhere. Sally and I was a couple of days we were in County Wicklow just last week and we're having a wee scone and a wee cup of tea in a hotel. And just a little bit away from us, I didn't see it, but Sally was looking over my shoulder. There was a lady sitting, and there was children at the table. And she just swore the name of Jesus was just on her lips several times in front of the kids and everything. I don't even think she knew she was doing it. It was just so commonplace to her. Why is it? Does people not stop and think for one moment, why do they use the name of Jesus as a swear word? They would never, ever think of using any other religious leader. It would never, never be Muhammad. It would never be Allah. It would never be Buddha. It would never be Krishna. It would never be any other religion. It's always only Jesus. Why is that? Do not stop and think, why did I do this? Because it's satanic. It's an affront against our Lord Jesus Christ. It drags his name into the gutter, which is what the enemy of our souls wants to do. And it's awful. And on television, there's hardly a program. Sally and I have told you before, years ago, we were in Malaysia where Tony and Grace family comes from. And we got into a hotel late one night and we switched TV on. And it was, it was a language we didn't understand. But suddenly we're watching these two guys talking. Suddenly the, the thing program just went off. The whole thing just went off, went blank. So I got up thinking the TV, something happened to the TV, and I turned to another station that was on. Every station was on, but that one we were watching was off. So the next day, got an English newspaper in the hotel. <laughs> and what happened was, the guy was interviewing somebody, and the, the person who was being interviewed swore. He swore on live TV, and he pulled the plug immediately. <laughs> and the program was off the air forever. That was it, gone. And I'm thinking if they did that back home, we would have nothing to watch. There'd be no stations at all. Every station you watch, every program you watch, it's blasphemous. And nobody seems to care. Paul says in the last days, blasphemy would be endemic in society. And it is. Disobedient to parents. Has there ever been a generation of children 
that have been so disobedient and so disregarding of parents than this generation. I don't know, but in our generation, you just wouldn't have got off with it. You wouldn't have got off with it. And if you were nasty to somebody outside and they marched you to your door to tell your dad, <laughs> you knew you were in big trouble because your dad wasn't going to let you off with it. You had to get a good smacking or kick in the backside. But today, and if you take somebody's child to the door to their dad because they were unruly and nasty, the dad would beat you up. No wonder the children are the way they are. It's awful. So it's disrespect. But you see, there's so many organizations today that are championing the rights of children. Have you noticed, and if you haven't, you need to notice, that there are organizations, including the government, who are trying to distance children from parents, trying to come between us and our children. Scottish government, SNP, tried to bring out a, a ruling, the name person. And the name person was so that somebody, anybody other than the parent, that somebody was a teacher, whether it was anybody, would be named as the guardian of that child and watch over that child to make sure that it's happy in life. Not the parents. No, no, not the parents. And if the children says anything against the parents, then the parents are in trouble. That's how bad it is, trying to separate us from our own children. And all these kinds of laws are trying to enact in government to separate us so that we have no power over our own children. It's any wonder then children, when they begin to know and understand this, that they get a bit puffed up. Because what are you going to do to me? Because I'll tell my guardian or I'll tell the police or I'll tell whoever. Now we know that there are some terrible parents and some parents has been disaster with their children. We know that. But by and large, the majority of parents are not like that. But sometimes that is used to bring in a bad law. But you see, there's a, an agenda behind that to separate us from our kids. And it's not right. But this is what's happening today. And if some had their way, there would be no religion taught either in schools or even in homes. Richard Dawkins, the poster boy for New Atheists, he doesn't want any religion of any kind taught in any school. He doesn't want it taught in any household because he says it's delusional. We're all bunkers. So don't put that into your kids. <laughs> So Paul said there would come a day when disobedience to parents would be one of the marks of the times of the end. And I think we're living in those times. I think we're beginning to see that. Then he said, unthankful. Unthankful. Ungrateful. Are children thankful anymore? Are adults thankful anymore? Is it not a case of, I'm entitled to it, it's my right, I demand it? The advert says, I'm worth it. 
you see. I'm worth it. I got this hair product and look good because I'm worth it, don't you see? <laughs> it's one thing somebody sent to you, I think you're worth it. It's another thing you sent about yourself, I think I'm worth it. <laughs> unthankful, ungrateful, the world owes me something. The world owes you nothing. <laughs> We've got a snowflake generation where they think everybody owes them something. The world owes you nothing. And you get out into the big wide world there, you soon find that out. What about ill-mannered? Can I throw that in too? <laughs> Is there ever a generation that's been so ill-mannered? I mean, simple things like, please and thank you, I appreciate that, excuse me. All of that's gone, isn't it? I mean, not that I'm in buses anymore, but, you know, sometimes in your holidays you go on a bus and, or, or years ago before you had a car, you were on buses, <laughs> but, but now, young people, they would elbow you out of the way to get a seat. My generation was brought up, especially fellas, my generation was brought up, you stood up to give a woman a seat. I'm at the age now where women are standing up to give me a seat. <laughs> and that's a bit embarrassing. And you're standing in the supermarket and you drop some money and the wee woman behind you says, I'll pick it up. <laughs> really did that with me one day at Super Value and I went home and looked in the mirror. <laughs> what did she see? Couldn't get over it all day. It nearly impressed me, the thought of it. But ill-mannered. Just having manners. What has happened to all of that there? Unthankful. Be grateful for anything and everything you have and you get. And thank God for it. But we're living in a generation that doesn't seem to do that anymore. Because it's an entitlement. We're entitled to everything. That's what we feel. Unholy. That means irreverent. Not having to regard to sacred or holy things. We hear the statement, is nothing sacred anymore? It isn't. Not having regard to sacred or holy things. Are we not saying this today? The castigating of everything that is holy. Of being flippant, being coarse, being mocking. And Christianity just seems to be fair game, doesn't it? It just seems to be fair game. Uh, if you're a Christian, then you're just going to get it all just thrown in your face. And we just seem to have to take it and say nothing and do nothing. That's the way it is. And so there's this whole uh, thing here of being unholy. I have lost count of the plays and the dramas and the movies that come out that are unholy, that mock and blaspheme the things of God and make a joke of it. And it's really sad. Except, of course, if you're a Muslim. And if you're a Muslim, you dare not mock. You dare not blaspheme Allah. You dare not say anything against the Holy Prophet. Because you know if you do, your very life is at stake. But Christianity, we're fair game. 
We are fair game. That's the way that it seems to be. And so here we have this whole business of irreverency, on holiness, on thankfulness, disobedient to parents, blasphemers, love and money, boasters, proud, and so forth and so on. All of these are signs of the days that we are living in, and they're getting worse as time goes on. Now, I would love to continue, but I'm not going to continue. I'm going to come back to this tonight. There's a few more to do, but I want to end up positively. I want to end up tonight in a good note because these, as I said, are negative, and the more you read them, the worse it gets, and the more you see it, the worse it gets. But as believers in the midst of all this, we're to be salt and we're to be light in the midst of all of this. So we're not to go and hide somewhere. All right, we are to let our light shine in the midst of all of this. Amen. And so this is what the world, this is how the world is that we are living in. This is our generation. This is the only generation we're ever going to live in. This is the only opportunity we've ever had to shine for Christ in this generation. This is the one that God put us in. But these are the last days that we're living in right now. So we'll come back again to this tonight, and we promise you we will end up in a positive note before we go home tonight. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, you have placed us in a time such as this. You have given us the opportunity, Lord, to be a testimony and a light and a witness in a dark world. So, Lord, as we see these things happening all around us, we understand that the age that we're in, help us, Lord, to have courage and to be brave and to shine and not apologize for that which is right and holy and wholesome and good. So we give you thanks, Lord, that you have given us your Holy Spirit who gives us the strength and the courage to stand in these days. And we pray that his spirit, the spirit of God in us, will make us strong for the place that we are, whether that's the workplace or the school place or our home or neighborhood or town or community. But Lord, it will stand out as those who stand for truth and righteousness. And so we bless you and we give you thanks. In Christ's name. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We produce a variety of sermon videos and inspiring Christian content available for free on our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Moira Pentecostal or visit our website for more information, www.mpc.org.uk.